Courtney, thank you for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. All right, so can you give the audience a little bit of context of who you are and what you do? Sure, uh, I'm a storyteller. I've done that in a number of different forms through my life. Um, writing, I was a preacher for a while, which is a lot of storytelling. Um, last several years I've been doing video production, um, usually for uh, small businesses or nonprofits here in the Cedar Rapids area. And um, been working on some film projects now, which is kind of a cool area to get into. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Can you tell us a little bit more about maybe let's dive deeper into like your professional life really quick. You know, how did you get to Cedar Rapids? Uh, what were you doing before? You mentioned some ministry work. So can you talk about how maybe that ministry work also shaped to where you currently are? Sure. Um, so I was a pastor in Iowa City um, for two years and didn't like the job. Um, not I liked some parts of the job, but I realized it wasn't for me in the long run. And so I was looking for somewhere to go next. And my brother, who was a pastor up here in Cedar Rapids, um, said he wanted to start a nonprofit that focused on working in kind of core low-income neighborhoods in Cedar Rapids um, and organizing uh, members of faith communities to do like service work and build relationships in those neighborhoods. And so I thought, well, that sounds fun. Like, it sounds like the work I want to do and uh, working with my brother sounded like a lot of fun. So I moved up to Cedar Rapids. We started that uh, organization, which is called Matthew 25. And I ran that with him for seven years um, through all kinds of, like we went through the, the flood of 2008, which was a, a big event here uh, in Cedar Rapids. And then um, I started feeling that creative itch. I mean, we'd, we'd gotten to exercise our creativity a lot in building this nonprofit and developing programs. Um, but as we, you know, as the organization grew, we started shifting into um, more of an administrative role. I mean, we all, we always had that, but then it was like less sort of face-to-face -face interaction and more administration. And I was kind of feeling like, oh, I, I need to let this creative side of myself out. And so I started writing a lot more and finally decided that I wanted to um, just take a break from sort of my ministry career and pursue writing for a while. Um, so that was in 2014. And I started working on a, a memoir and, a, and also a novel um, and realized about six months in to this new kind of pursuit that I was super lonely. <laughs> So um, I, I, I had gone from, you know, running this organization where I was with people all the time in meetings, like many, many meetings throughout every week, um, to sitting in front of my computer by myself all the time. And even though I had, like, volunteer commitments that got me out of the house and stuff, it just wasn't the same. Uh, and so I started going out and interviewing people. Um, I thought it would be a way to meet different characters and also help my writing by 
um, exposing me to different kinds of people. And so I would do street interviews um, or just ask friends and family, like, hey, who do you know that's interesting that I should interview? And so I did that. Um, so at that time, I had no idea how to use a camera um, or, like, audio equipment or anything like that um, other than, like, pushing a button on my phone. And I had a friend, a couple friends who were photographers, and so when I would go interview people, they would take photos of them um, to go along with the written story that I would create. And then, so that got me around that sort of group of people, photo and video people in the area. And then I interviewed a guy who, um, his name is Josh Booth, and he, uh, he had this really great story about growing up in Chicago and then moving to Iowa and um, what he did for a living. Uh, he was kind of a self-start um, videographer. And so I started getting requests from people to make videos and I didn't know how to do it. So I asked Josh to help me. And, um, and so then I, people saw that I made video, you know, I was making videos. And so they were like, oh, maybe you should, you know, maybe we should hire Courtney for this video. And and then uh, I was approached by another guy that I had met um, about starting a video production business. Uh, And it was his idea, Gabe Erickson, to start Flow Media. Um, I was a little hesitant at first because I didn't know him that well. And um, I didn't really... I had never set out to be a business person. I didn't know how to run a business, really. Um, But he convinced Josh, my friend, to join, too. So I was like, well, okay, I'll I'll give this a shot and see where it goes. Um, That's how I got involved in video production. And and it started out, uh, mostly what I did was interview people for the videos that we made because I had good listening skills and I could put people at ease and... um, so then gradually being around those guys, I learned more about how videos are put together. And uh, now um, it's just me, and I hire other people at, on contract to produce those videos. Uh, and part of that's because I learned that um, it's really hard to maintain like salaried work for multiple people doing video production, uh, especially here in Iowa. Like, it's seasonal, and there are all kinds of different projects, some of them big, some of them small, and it's hard to keep the work steady the entire time. So, um, and that was a big problem that we had with our business model was we started with five creatives who didn't really know how to run a business. And we couldn't keep enough work for all of us to keep busy the whole time. Um, And so it was kind of all over the place, both activity-wise and revenue-wise. And eventually, like, it just, we kind of, the company kind of failed. And then I picked up what was left and ran with it. Yeah. I think one thing that when I talk to people about you, um, they are inspired by your writing capabilities. And I think that is probably one of the more, 
I, I don't say I don't think it, I you know I go as far to say like that's the most under like performing part of most videos. But I also don't. I, th I think a lot of uh, videographers or video producers kind of look at a video and say, "Wow, this technique, like you know, the, the camera quality is good, uh, the lighting's great." Uh, but then they lack this story. They they lack the ability to um, ask the right kind of questions, go deeper on certain questions, and ultimately cut that into a consumable piece of content that the end consumer can ingest, kind of define what they want to take out of it, use that call to action, and do whatever you know whatever they want to do after. Uh, you know, listening to that story. So I think a lot of people kind of do get stuck in the technicality part of it, where they're not actually going in, doing their research and saying, oh, well, you know, Courtney's really great at writing. I'm gonna tell a story about Courtney's writing. Whereas I think, you know, what you, from what you said that, you know, if we had to make a video off, off of like the last five minutes that we, we've been talking, I would be more interested in talking about like, you know, you being a minister, you um, you know sitting on the random street corner with somebody. You know, I want to learn more about your technique, um, and and that'd be more. That's more interesting to me uh, if I were to make a whole video about like about you. Um, but can you talk about more with with Flow Media? You know, can you talk about more of that story development? How you know what were some techniques that you used to get this extract a story out of the interview or per, yeah. person you're interviewing, stuff like that? Well. So we worked on that a lot. Um, Gabe, who fa kind of founded the company, he was very uh, passionate about making sure that it was good storytelling. And that's why he brought me on, um, even though I knew like seriously nothing about making videos. Um, he, you know, he'd just seen my writing and, um, and knew also that I could sit down with somebody and just ask questions and listen and not like interrupt them to tell them what I was thinking or whatever. Um, so I do think a huge part of it comes down to listening, spending time with people so that they feel like you're really truly interested in, in what they have to say and that you're not going to um, ignore what's important to them or um, take advantage of them somehow. Um, when you approach somebody on the street that you've never met before and you ask them to, if you can like take their picture and tell their story, I mean, first of all, I had a lot of people who just said no. <laughs> You're like, I don't know you, no, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but a surprising number of people also said yes. And so uh, I just, tried to be as friendly and open as I could and ask them questions that, you know, got them talking. And, um, and then I would take all that back and sit with it for a little while. I think um, one of the things Gabe had a problem with when he worked in the news industry, he was a, he was a reporter for a while, was the constant pressure of like, you gotta churn stuff out every day. And, um, you know, sometimes it was good and sometimes it was just like filling the airspace because they needed something to put there. And so he was really, he really pushed us to take our time and craft something 
that had an actual theme and a narrative and characters. Um, so that's something, especially the more I worked with Flo, that I thought about a lot was, you know, just story structure and kind of the basic building blocks of story that people don't, people hear all the time. They know it when they hear a good story, but they don't think about how to construct it. Are you able to uh, kind of deconstruct what that means for the audience? Are you like, say, you know, how, how do you build a story structure? Yeah, yeah. So the first thing is um, you have to have like a character. Stories have characters that um, want things and go after them and usually run into obstacles. That's what creates like the story. Um, and you, you need like a through line so that um, you're, you're not kind of bouncing all over the place and it, and it doesn't hold together. When I was a preacher, I, I would hear other preachers that were, there's a very frequent thing where they would want to say something, right? But it would kind of be like, they have this idea and they have this idea and they have this idea and they didn't know how to just get rid of the excess and and stick to what kind of the through line of the message or the story was. Um, so that's another part of crafting a good story is uh, just knowing what to get rid of and save for another day. Um, that's, a, that's the thing that you run into a lot of times with, with marketing for small businesses. Um, they know so intimately what they do, um, and they do a lot. I mean, they're re they're busy people that work hard, and they're doing this and this and this. And so, their first instinct is to say, "People don't know all the things that we do, and so we want to show them all the things that we do." And that's just super boring for an audience. They don't care. Um, they they want to know if you can solve their problem. Um, or if you've got um, a culture that they want to be a part of, but they, yeah, they don't care about the 50 million things that you care about, yeah. So how does story, how does uh, telling a video story, um, you know, let's, let's put it in the terms of a small business owner, um, you know, let's say I have a coffee shop and I'm thinking about, oh, like I'm thinking about, you know, there's nine bars of pressure for this espresso. You know, it needs to be this certain grind setting. How can I relay some information and make it into a story and make it interesting for the people that are going to be watching it? But how do I solve a problem too? You have to remember that in your marketing, the story isn't about you. Like that's the very that's the first mistake that a lot of businesses make. They want to talk about themselves and. Um, that's not going to draw a customer in. The, the customer is going to be relating to a story that, they'll, they'll relate strongest to a story that is about them. So um, first you have to identify who the, the, the uh, hero or the uh, protagonist of the story is, and that's always the audience member. So um, you show your client, your customer, um, getting what they want. So they come into the coffee house, 
They have a desire to see friends. They have a desire to drink something tasty, to feel cozy, um, to feel like they're connected to the community. Um, so you show them getting those things, you know? Like, and if you, if you have the room and you can do it effectively, um, where you, you know, you have time to show obstacles that they might have to that, where um, maybe they have spent too much time in the office and they just need to get out. And so they're like, you know, like, when is this day gonna end? Uh, somebody invites them to the coffee shop. I'm just making this up off the top of my head, right? Um, and so they have that sort of journey to getting their goal. That's how, that's what I would do if I were marketing for a coffee shop. And you can do that in like longer forms and shorter forms, like where uh, there's a guy named, I think it's Donald Miller is his name. He does, um, he, he has a, a website called Story Brands. This is the second time I'm hearing about this this morning. <laughs> okay, yeah, I mean, he, he makes I mean, it. I, I know I'm familiar with it, and, uh, and uh, I actually have gone through it with somebody uh, for myself, and it's, it actually works a lot. Oh, yeah. It works really well. Yeah, I mean, he, he knows how to boil it down into like an image on your website where you show your client happily reaching the end of their journey to get whatever it is they want that you provide. So um, it doesn't have to be like a 10 minute long documentary video story. It can be an image and a couple words um, that at least helps them tap into this narrative of here's somebody that is living their life similar to me, they have the same problems as me, they went here to get the solution. Um, in a way, it's kind of like manipulative, right? Uh, if you're using it for marketing. Um, but it's also just a recognition that that's how people think. They are always thinking about themselves as being part of a, you know, on a journey. They're the protagonist. They catch on to narratives where they can identify with the protagonist and um, feel like they're on a similar journey. I think that's lar in large part why we watch movies. We want to live a different life um, and we want to escape, maybe not escape the reality that we're in, but um, I think it, itches, or it, it scratches an itch that we might uh, you know, want to experience uh, what, you know, experience uh, something through a different set of eyes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why video marketing or just video production in general is so important because it, it gives the consumer the ability to explore different, different avenues of experiences that they may want to try. Um, so, you know, if, I don't know why I'm like going back to the coffee, the coffee shop all the time, but, you know, and maybe one day I'll open up a coffee shop, who knows. Uh, but, you know, I, I, think, I think what you said with, you know, cultivating that community and showing that this is an area that, you know, yeah, you can get coffee, but like no one asks you to get coffee because they want to get coffee. They ask you to get coffee because they want to have a conversation with you. Um, so, you know, coffee shops, I, I think, are, you know, a very integral part of, of building a community. So being able to uh, show that visually 
um, on social media or on your website is extremely important uh, to you know kind of convey that message. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I think uh, I lose my train of thought. But uh, anyway, so well, see. I have another thought, um, yeah, sort of related to that. I I don't remember who the author is, but I, I read an author one time that talked about. We read stories or view stories, um, depending on what format you're, you're consuming the story in, uh, to sometimes a story is a mirror and sometimes it's a window. So like some of, sometimes we're attracted to stories where the character is experiencing things similar to us and we find um, some comfort in that relatability and also maybe instruction by seeing them go through a similar reality in a way that may be a little bit different than us or 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 it even we, we also have confirmation bias most of us so we like hearing something told back to us where we confirm that we're right you know that we we're doing we're living life the right way we also look at stories sometimes as windows where we're taking in, taken into a life that is just so far outside of our experience that it's uh, exciting. Like when you look at National Geographic Explorers or um, Yeti coolers, they do a great job with this where they, you know, they tell the stories of adventurers out in different environments that you know we'd love to be able to do. We don't know really how to, but maybe if I got this cooler, I could go out and, you know, Climb mountains or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think that's an that's an actually another interesting part of video production because you know a lot of times and, the, and I certainly do this too uh, for my video work is that I'll uh, sit down with the business owner or or whoever the key person is and kind of walk them through like what's your mission, what's the values, uh, what's your call to action, why should someone come here, what what makes you unique, um, and be able to tell those stories are really cool. Um, but there's a different type of video production that's more based on narrative work. So constructing that storyline with who is, who's the characters, you know, what's the through line, what's their goal, um, you know, what, you know, what's the climax, what's the, you know, denouement, denouement, whatever. I don't even know the word, but uh, it's like the, res the, the resolving yeah. resolution at the yeah. end in the third act. And, and so, um, and I know you have some experience with this through flow. Um, you've worked on, on, a, on a narrative kind of piece with an insurance company, correct? Or was that a financial company? Uh, I'm trying to think which with one. With the there. rowboats? Oh, that was a, a law firm. Law firm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a fun project, fun challenge. Um, we went in and we talked to them about their values, kind of like you said, about what they... Um, why they worked the way that they do and they talked a lot about teamwork how they really didn't um, hot, try to hire sort of star lawyers they wanted people who could yeah bring good skills to the firm but also who were very much team players um, and so uh, they also talked about how they wanted their 
all their clients to know that like they had a whole team behind them, that it wasn't just like, you know, you have this lawyer, but you have, this lawyer is like your point person, but you have all of us behind you too. Um, so we started like trying to figure out interesting ways to uh, visually tell that story that it's, you know, it's, we didn't want to spend time in their law office, quite frankly. <laughs> we thought it would be boring. Um, and a lot of legal advertising is super dull. And, um, you know, what was the... Some, one of our friends said something like, uh, pale, stale, and male is what you get with most law firms. Like, um, and that's not what we wanted to show. So we were looking at, okay... When you think team, you think sports. Um, how do you, how do we? Sh- what kind of sport could we show? And uh, Gabe, who was part of Flow at that time, he had been on Crew when he was in college, and he's like, you know, um, Crew is so much about everybody being like totally in sync and working together. Like it's it's one of the least sort of individualized sports there is. Um, And also he's like, it's just cool visually. (laughs) Um, So we searched around for a a team that we could film and uh, we couldn't use any of the universities because they were like, we have NCAA regulations and all this copyright stuff that we can't, that we it would make it really difficult and then we found this like just rowing club in Des Moines that was they were people in their like you know 30s to 50s a lot of them um and they were like yeah come film us uh oh this is gonna be fun yeah so we did that and um I wrote a script that was about um you know having whatever you face, having this a team of people pulling together with you. Um, and it all, it went together really beautifully. You could I say it flowed well. Yeah, it flowed well. <laughs> yes, it did. Oh my gosh, so many puns on flow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to go there. <laughs> did, I lived with that for years. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. 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 But that's like a differentiation between like local and national co- or like video production is that these larger companies, you know, the, the you know, Forbes 100, Ford 500, uh, like they're able to spend the money or, you know, have the creative freedom to be able to create a piece that elicits the emotion and shows the viewer, you know, what they may feel with this product. And that is really effective because it, it, it actually elicits that emotion. That's one thing that I learned in, in the video production school that I went to is that like, you know, things can look cool and still not elicit the emotion. The emotion is, the emotion that you make people feel is the most important part of what we do. Definitely, definitely. I, yeah, that you can't stress that strongly enough. I mean, People are emotional beings, and um, I really think if you're doing any kind of communication, whether it's marketing, filmmaking, writing, whatever it is, like if you don't recognize that people crave emotional um, impact and story, then 
you're not going to do well. You, you, uh, again, going back to the preaching model, I don't know how many f- preachers failed at this. Like they think their job is to get up there and teach something, right? And they don't pay any attention to the emotional impact. They don't pay attention to crafting a good story. And it just falls flat week after week after week. And their congregation members are sitting there like, how freaking soon can I get out of church so I can do something interesting? Like, when's my duty going to be over? You know, like, but if you're, if you're uh, trying to attract customers that aren't sort of locked into an hour of sitting there listening to you, uh, you they're just, just going to scroll on by or change the channel or whatever because they don't, they don't have to listen to you anymore. It's about capturing that, capturing the, the, the great first impression, say, yeah. hey, check out my piece of, piece of content. You know, here's how I think you would feel if you're using this product. This is the problem that it solves. Boom. Like, come by my thing. Yeah. And it takes work. It I does mean, it take work. work. Yeah, to, it's practice. Yeah. And, and to recognize that, like, um, it's best done over time. So um, maybe you only get five seconds of your audience's time this time, and then you're gonna have another five seconds later on. And so cut out as much of the extra stuff that you don't need so that you can use those five seconds well. And a lot of clients think that the way to do that is to be like, sell, 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 you know, push the sale right away. Um, And uh, my business coach said it best, I don't, he, I'm sure he didn't come up with this, but he said, people hate to be sold to. They love to buy, but they hate to be sold to. So if you in any way come off like you're selling them something, they're just like, uh, I don't want that, you know? But if they're discovering something that's cool that they can get in on, that they can buy, that's gonna make them happier, that's a very, very different feeling. Exactly. And it's very effective. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. So that's one thing that I, I've been trying to develop more is that is that piece of storyline that, you know, gets people to discover, you know, what I'm trying to create um, and show my clients that like, hey, this is a model that, you know, works really well and something that maybe we should try. Um, but anyway, so. I will say, though, just a word of caution, yeah. right? Like when you get a group of creative people working on something, sometimes they fall in love with what they create and they completely forget the customer's needs. Um, so you, if, if you're gonna be doing this for hire, you really gotta remember that. Like it's, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, I, I guess maybe I won't signal out like a particular yeah. client, but I, I definitely remember times when we created things that the client was just sort of sitting there scratching their head over, like, how is this gonna help me? And if the client's doing that, you should listen, like, um, because you're, if, you're, if your creativity doesn't impress the client, they're not gonna keep you around, and it's probably not gonna work. What you want in the end result is for them to say, wow, 
I never would have thought of putting it like that, but that totally nails it. Like, I can't wait to share this with people. Um, you definitely, if you're not there, then uh, you probably didn't listen enough. Yeah. Which everybody fails at, yeah. right? Like you're not gonna right. hit it out of the park every single time. Mm -hmm. So let's turn around to like, you know, what are you currently working on? And, and how are you taking what you've learned from the commercial field into what you're currently working on? Yeah, okay. Um, so I made the decision this last year uh, to just focus on nonprofits and social good campaigns in terms of my uh, work for hire. Um, so I just finished a video for Trees Forever, uh, which is an organization here in, they're actually in Marion, but they work all over Iowa and Illinois, kind of Midwest, planting trees. And we just had this huge storm come through last August that wiped out like 60% of the trees in the area. And so they're raising money to um, be able to replant all those trees uh, that were lost and just continue their work in general. So, um, I mean, that really wasn't that different than a lot of the commercial things that I've worked on. You, you still have to uh, understand the message and craft it and get good visuals. And, and luckily when that storm was coming through, like I knew eventually I would need visuals of the storm damage. So I like right away hired people to go out and just film trees and smashed houses and stuff. And it was kind of a little morbid, but, little morbid, but yeah. I knew it was going to be necessary. Yeah. Like when I, when we went through the flood of 2008, uh, we had to tell the story of our recovery work over and over and over when I was running this nonprofit. And the, it sucked that we didn't get pictures <laughs> or video a lot of the times of what we, what would have helped us share the story. So when this disaster came along, I was like, we, we're gonna need these images. Um, anyway, I'm getting a little in the weeds on that, but uh, I'm working also on a short film. Um, this is my first time making a narrative film and I'm basically pulling in all the favors that I can. I wrote this script. Um, I think it's a freaking great story if I do say, my, say so myself. Um, and I know enough film and video people from around the area from working with them commercially that I know who's good at what. Um, so putting together a team, we're gonna produce it in August. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so it's the story is about these two boys who live next door to each other, and their houses are super close, like 10 feet apart. And um, one of the boys' family is from here in the Midwest, and the other boy, his family is from Iraq. And um, so it's Charlie and Amir are their names. Charlie's dad is a... Uh, uh, American veteran and he's dealing with PTSD and also holds some some prejudices and some bitterness toward Middle Eastern people um, and so he's not dealing well with these neighbors living next door 
and with Charlie and Amir being best friends. And so the story is about um, how these boys kind of, you know, their friendship is really important. They're, they're inseparable to each other, but their fathers don't get along. And so it's like, how do they deal with that conflict? Um, and it's got like, moments of like fairly heavy drama, but also a lot of kind of boyhood adventure and humor because um, they're like 11 years old. And so it's it's a good, I think, mix of like fun, but also tackles some serious issues, so. Yeah, it does sound like a fun storyline, but it sounds, it's important to kind of realize the dichotomy between the, the, the two issues that it runs into is the prejudice and then, you know, growing up as a kid and as a, you know, I'm sure, I, I don't have the experience, but I can assume that growing up in an age that we do now, post 9-11 or post the Iraq war, you know, he has, a, uh, Amir, right, has a more difficult challenge growing up in America. Yeah, yeah. Well, the interesting thing is like, Charlie and Amir, they, the two of the, like, it's free, it's easy, life is good and easy for them in terms of their friendship. And like, Amir is the type of kid who is um, confident and just like, I mean, he, his family's pretty stable. And, um, but his dad, uh, as a, you know, 40s to 50, 45 to 50 year old uh, Iraqi refugee doesn't get treated very well um, by a lot of people, especially Charlie's dad. So yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know, I, 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 uh, I saw these two houses together. Actually, you see a lot of examples of this in the Wellington Heights neighborhood where these like big two-story houses sit right next to each other. And I always wondered what kind of story I might create for that location. Um, and that's what I came up with was, yeah. Gotcha. What was the inspiration behind? So was like, were you just walking down the street one day or? Yeah, just, well, I was driving through the neighborhood. I saw these houses and I was like, something could happen there, you know, when these two families are shoved close to each other. Like, it's also kind of a lower income neighborhood. Um, so it's more diverse, you know, and there, there would be the opportunity for like culture clash. Um, so I had like, two or three different ideas about who the main characters could be and I finally landed on these two boys and you know one at least this is the way it is for me like I start to write a story and it just kind of takes over sometimes and um, I don't even necessarily have it all planned out but the characters kind of go on their journey and uh, yeah and now I get to have the process of um, you know working with a director who's going to take what's been in my head and put it on screen and working with actors who are going to take these characters that I wrote and put their own spin on it and it's a little bit terrifying. Yeah, bringing them into real life. Yeah, yeah, they might end up totally different than what I originally thought, but also that's the beauty of the collaborative process. Yeah, I've always liked that. I love seeing how other people see the same thing and bring their own kind of, yeah, point of view. Right, people have their own, like, you know, people will take in something 
and they will compare it to their life uh, in, in many different ways. And people have experienced different things in their life. You know, people like, you know, uh, them being refugees, they've experienced, you know, what it's like to be hungry, what it's like to um, be scared to live where they live. And so they, can, they, they would interpret something different than as I would or you would. And so everyone has a different, you know, perspective on life. And I think that what, that's what makes the ability of storytelling beautiful. I just, like, this is my first one. I hope it goes well. <laughs> you know? I, 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 I'm sure it will. I was listening to a, a podcast interview of Mark Marin interviewing um, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio after they had, after uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was released. And both of them were talking about how they had been part of projects where they had this beautiful script and then by the time the director and everybody got done with it, it was, in their words, quote, dog shit. <laughs> like, so I don't think that's gonna happen in yeah. my story because I trust the people that I'm working with, you know, but you never know what can happen. So yeah, just gotta take the risk and give it a try. Yes, taking the risk is will make you have fun in life. Yeah, yes. yeah. The other thing that's been uh, become a real passion of mine is outdoor photography. Um, you know, I talked earlier about not knowing how to use a camera, and this year, this last year with the pandemic, um, a lot of my work just evaporated, um, and I couldn't hang out with people, um, so I kind of dealt with the craziness and the anxiety by going out and spending a lot of time outside, hiking around different parts of the this eastern Iowa, and um, I took my camera with me and just learned how to use it. Um, it was the best way for me to learn something is to just go out and do it and screw up and then do it some more and like and watch videos or whatever and figure out how everything worked. Um, so now uh, I'm also doing a little bit of photography and writing for um, like conservation organizations. Um, well, like Trees Forever, making this video. That's not me doing the photography, but it's oh, a little bit. I've done a little bit of that. Um, but then I also did a story for Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. Um, right, Iowa Natural Heritage, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's another thing that I think I'm always going to be trying new things and exploring, and I think if you're not doing that as a creative person, you're gonna start to feel kind of weighed down and stuck in a rut, yeah. Part of why the reason why I'm doing this podcast is to explore um, the lives of digital creatives or people that are in the marketing industry, and I think it opens a good avenue to kind of learn from what, they, what they've experienced. Yeah. Um, but also, too, it's like, you know, I, I felt like weighed down. I felt like I wasn't creating the things I wanted to create. Um, and I found that I really just like talking. So, uh, <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, I might as well just start a podcast. Uh, but this has been a very eye-opening experience, even though I've only done, this is, will be my fourth, um, that like, I don't know, just being able to give people the platform 
uh, to speak about what they're passionate about, but also too, for me, it's like, I'm a little selfish because I'm, I'm learning from it. Um, and that like, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then like, you know, if I'm talking about, like for you example, I'll talk, I'll talk to somebody outside of this conversation and mention something I learned from you and say, oh, Courtney, you know, I was talking to Courtney and like, this was his experience in this. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the best parts of my job, um, working for all different kinds of clients and that my job is to listen to them. Um, I feel like we don't have enough or we don't create enough um, experiences where we just sit and listen to people. Um, we're always, I mean, I guess we consume other kinds of content through social media and whatever, but there is something about just talking and listening and having a conversation and you know setting aside like an hour or whatever for that that it's not it's different than other kinds of I guess consuming ideas and learning yeah I get a lot out of it Courtney, thank you for so much for joining us. Uh, I've learned quite a bit from you, you know, from the transactional model of like, you know, in taking a story to the storyline structure and all of that. And I appreciate you being my friend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. Thanks for the invitation. This was fun.